Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you so, so much for listening. I'm flying solo for today's podcast, so this episode will probably be a little bit shorter than usual. I have two parts for you on today's pod. In part one, I'll react to the appointment of Mauro Meluso as the new sporting director of Napoli, and I'll tell you a little bit more about him. And then in part two, I'll talk a little bit about Valentina De Laurentiis, ADL's daughter, and her growing role at the club. So let's begin with the new sporting director, Mauro Meluso. I must admit, this was not a name that I was familiar with before De Laurentiis' tweet on Wednesday. We had been linked to a number of different names. In fact, earlier that day, there were reports that Ricky Massara was invited to film Mauro and that De Laurentiis offered him a two-year contract. Prior to that, there were talks about promoting Micheli and Mantovani, so similar to the appointment of Rudy Garcia, this announcement caught everyone off guard. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I doubt many people knew much about Cristiano Giuntoli when he was taken from Carpi. In fact, as you'll see, Meluso and Giuntoli actually have quite a bit in common. For instance, both started working in management shortly after ending their playing careers. Meluso had a bit more success as a player. He played two seasons in Serie A. He was a striker first with Lazio and then a couple seasons later with Salernitana. Apparently in his first appearance with Lazio, he scored a goal and won a penalty kick, so he had a promising playing career ahead of him. Unfortunately, he then suffered quite a few injuries. Some people blame Zeman for a herniated disc that he suffered, and I think that carried on throughout his career. 
He also played a season for Foggia in Serie B, whereas Juntoli didn't play any higher than Serie C. On the management side, Juntoli's rise was much quicker. Juntoli spent one season at Spezia and six at Carpi before he was hired by Napoli. Meluso worked for Foggia, Padua, Pisa, Sangiovese, Teramo, Ternana, Frosinone, and Cosenza before he was hired by Lecce. Now, I've talked about Juntoli's success story at Carpi. Meluso's time at Lecce was pretty similar. When Meluso was appointed as the sporting director in 2016, Lecce were playing in Serici. Now, it is worth pointing out why Lecce were in Serici at the time, and it wasn't because they were such a terrible team that they had been relegated. Rather, it was because of the Ultima Scomesse match-fixing scandal of 2012, also known as Scomesopoli. So Lecce had a decent team when Meluso arrived. In their previous four seasons, they finished 2nd, 3rd, 6th, and then 3rd again. As a reminder, there are 3 divisions in Serici, and only 4 clubs across the 3 divisions are promoted, so you have to win your division to earn automatic promotion, and then the 4th promotion club is determined by a massive playoff. Meluso nearly earned promotion in his first season in charge. Lecce were top of the table after 27 rounds, but then they just could not hold off Foggia. Foggia had only one loss and two draws in the entire second half of that season, and the two draws were after they had guaranteed themselves promotion to Serie B. Meanwhile, Lecce were eliminated by Alessandria in the quarterfinals of the promotion playoff in a penalty shootout. However, the following season, Lecce finished top of the table to earn promotion to Serie B, they started the season a little bit slowly with only one win through their first three matches, but they were top of the table by match day 8 and never looked back. And then, unbelievably, Lecce finished second in Serie B the following season, their first season in Serie B, earning promotion to the top flight. So like Juntoli, Meluso took a team from the lower divisions all the way up to Serie A. Some of the key players Meluso signed while he was at Lecce were goalkeepers Filippo Perocchini, Mauro Vigorito, and Gabriel. Defenders Antonio Marino, Simone Ciancio, Lorenzo Venuti, Fabio Lucioni, Biagio Meccarignello, Giulio Donati, Andrea Rispoli, Luca Rosettini, and Marco Calderoni. Midfielders Marco Mancosu, Marco Armelino, Andrea Arigoni, Panagiotis Takitsidis, Jacopo Petriccione, and Antonin Barak, and forwards Salvatore Caturano, Giuseppe Toromino, Andrea Lamantia, Filippo Falco, Simone Palombi, and Kuma Babacar. Now, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of names in there that you don't know, but remember, this was in Serie C and then up to Serie B, so about half of those players are probably names that you might recognize. Now, Meluso's time at Lecce wasn't perfect. Unlike Juntoli, who immediately moved to Napoli after carrying Carpi to Serie A, much like he immediately left Napoli after winning the Scudetto, Meluso stayed with Lecce for their return to the top flight, and it did not go so well. Lecce finished third from the bottom of the table, four points behind Genoa. Though it was a difficult return to Serie A, which ultimately ended Meluso's time at Lecce, Lecce were in contention for survival until the penultimate round of the season. 
Shortly after leaving Lecce, Meluso signed a three-year contract with Spezia, who had just earned promotion to Serie A. In his first and what turned out to be his only season at Spezia, and over a very short period of time, Meluso signed goalkeepers Ivan Provedel and Yero Enzut, defenders Julian Chabot and Ardian Ismaili, midfielders Tommaso Pobega, Luciana Gume, Kevin Agudello, Ricardo Saponara, Alessandro Deola, Jacopo Sala, Nahuel Estevez, and Leo Senna, and forwards Mbala Enzola, Roberto Piccoli, Daniele Verde, and Diego Farias. So even though Meluso didn't build the entire starting 11, Martin Ehrlich, Ricardo Marquita, Claudio Terzi, Salva Ferrer, Simone Bastoni, Giulia Maggiore, Matteo Ricci, and Emmanuel Giazzi were all already there, he certainly completed the starting 11 and he significantly improved the depth of the squad, which was really important for a coach like Vincenzo Italiano, who tends to rotate quite heavily. In fact, Corriere del Mezzogiorno have reported that De Laurentiis was in discussions with both Meluso and Italiano two years ago. You might recall there was a period where reports were swirling around about Giuntoli being sacked, then we started winning and it never happened. Between the squad that Meluso built and the coaching of Vincenzo Italiano, Spezia managed a 15th place finish and achieved their goal of salvation. So that makes you wonder, why did Spezia let Meluso go? The reason is because after the 2020-21 campaign, after earning promotion from the 5th division of Italian football to Serie A in only 13 years, then-owner Gabriel Volpi sold the club to an American investment group headed by MSD Capital partner Robert Platek. That transaction happened in February of 2021, and at the end of the season, Meluso and the club terminated his contract by mutual consent. Since then, Meluso has been inactive, like Spalletti was before he was hired to be Napoli's coach. Now, you might notice that I've only talked about players Meluso purchased, whereas a sporting director is also responsible for selling players. That's because Meluso hardly sold any players during his time at Lecce or at Spezia, but I'm only slightly concerned about that. The reason Meluso hardly sold any players was because he didn't have many players to sell. Working for lower division clubs, he did not have much of a budget, so many of the players I mentioned were signed on loan deals or on free transfers, and of course, you can't sell players who you do not own. The other reason I'm not too concerned about it is because De Laurentiis is very involved when it comes to selling players. He always has the final say, Mantovani will crunch the numbers to determine what the fair value for the players are, and Micheli will work with Meluso to talk to agents and find prospective buyers. So that's a little bit about Meluso's history. Let's move on to talk about the present and near future, i.e. his role at Napoli. I mentioned Micheli and Mantovani, they're still running the scouting department at the club. Micheli deals more with agents while Mantovani collects and studies the data, before they hand the file over to the sporting director to close the deal. Juntoli was supported by Giuseppe Pompilio, who did not follow his former boss to Juventus. Presumably that means Pompilio will still play the same role for Meluso that he did for Juntoli. So what that means to me is the Napoli sporting director has three roles. First, he is the closer. Micheli and Mantovani will bring the deals to Meluso, but it is his job to see them across the finish line. 
I can't help but wonder if this whole ordeal with finding a replacement for Kim made De Laurentiis realize that he needs a sporting director for that reason. Now, I hesitate to even use the term ordeal because we're only two weeks into the Mercato, and if the Garcia and Meluso appointments have taught us anything, it's that there are things the club is working on that even the best transfer journalists haven't a clue about. Also, we can't announce a Kim replacement until Bayern officially activate the release clause, and as of the time of this recording, that hasn't happened yet. It should happen by the time you hear this though, because there are only a couple of days left in that window to exercise the release clause. Anyhow, I think it makes a lot more sense for Meluso to be closing these deals than it does for De Laurentiis, because the president has enough on his plate to begin with. Second, Meluso will be the buffer between De Laurentiis and just about everybody else, the coach, the agents, and to an extent the players, though the coach is another buffer between them and ADL. Say what you will about Juntoli's decision to join Juventus, but clearly he had the right personality to deal with De Laurentiis if he lasted 8 years at the club. By all accounts, Meluso has the right personality to deal with ADL as well, the Italian papers, and especially the Napolitano papers, have been interviewing anyone and everyone who knows Meluso, and they all say pretty much the same thing. Sky Sport journalist Davide Camicioli, who knows Meluso well, described the new sporting director as a very discreet and polite person. He said he's not someone who wants the spotlight, but wants to work and discover new players. Former Spezia president Stefano Chizoli said that Meluso has very important qualities and that if he wanted to find a team, he would have found one immediately. Instead, he elected to wait. He added that Meluso is honest, educated, and cultured in relationships and that it is a marriage that will work. Football agent Dario Canovi told Tutto Mercato Web that Meluso is the right person in the right place. He said he is a competent, serious, honest sports director. We're an honest club, so that sounds like a good fit to me. Former Napoli player Gianni Improta said that Meluso is the classic sporting director who never leaves the team who is always present. And Calcio Napoli 24 even spoke to the best man from Meluso's wedding. He said Meluso is an honest, humble, and above all, a competent person. He added that Meluso received important offers but he waited and he is ready for a hot square like Napoli. By the way, contrary to my tweet, he also assured Napoli fans that whenever his time at Napoli ends, we will not find out that he was a Juventino all along. So you can see, everyone seems to be describing a person who, at 58 years of age, has all the qualities necessary to handle someone like De Laurentiis. And I've only provided a handful of the testimonies that I've come across. There are many more out there in the same vein. Now that buffer between the players and ADL will be very important as well. Giacomo Raspadori recently gave an interview to Cronache di Spoliatoio where he said, If my life has changed, I owe it also to Mancini and to a phone call. The one in which Spalletti and Giuntoli explained to me why I should have signed with Napoli I had all the will in the world to make this decision, I would say that it paid off. Now obviously neither Spalletti nor Juntoli are with the club, but the point is that it was the coach and the sporting director who convinced Raspadori to move to Napoli, not De Laurentiis. That's extremely important because 
by all accounts, De Laurentiis is a very difficult person to work with. That's not breaking news. We already know that. Juntoli did the whining and dining, so ADL just had to be an informed decision maker, particularly with respect to player transfer fees. That seems to be the ideal model for Napoli. And third, the Napoli sporting director is the link between the coach and the scouts. He needs to work closely with the coach to understand his needs in terms of personnel for his system and communicate that to the scouts so they can go find the players with the matching qualities. Similarly, he needs to take the players that the scouts identify and bring them to the coach to see if he approves. That's why we saw Juntoli and Spalletti in constant communication, often sitting next to each other in training. And again, most reports describe Meluso as having that same approach. So that's what I've been able to uncover in the past few days about Meluso. Hopefully it gives you a little bit more comfort around this appointment. I'm certainly feeling a lot better about it given the structure that we currently have in place. Okay, that will do for part one. In part two, I'll talk a bit about the new Queen of Naples. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to part two of the Fortinapoli podcast. If you like the show, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Pod. It's entirely voluntary, there are no set tiers, but it does help us to continue to produce content both on the podcast and on our website at fortsanaplipress.com. Okay, so I wanted to spend some time talking about someone who is very quickly becoming known as the new queen of Napoli, and in my opinion, for good reason. That someone is Valentina de Laurenti's daughter of Aurelio, of course. Up until very recently... Valentina was not really involved with the club. She is a stylist by trade and had her own line of handbags under the VDL brand, which apparently is very successful. She also has a degree in psychology, which she obtained from the Lumza University of Rome. But Valentina has slowly taken on more and more responsibility with the club, starting with the decision to move shirt production in-house. With her experience in the fashion world, it was only natural for her father to seek her assistance with the production and distribution of the new shirts. Now, I can't remember which press conference she joined earlier in the year. I think it was at the announcement of the Ritiro at Di Maro. But I distinctly remember Valentina giving very short responses to the questions being asked. And I remember thinking at the time that we might have another Edo here. However... The short responses might have been because her father seemed to interrupt her every time she tried to speak. This season, she's saying and doing a lot more. She's far more involved, and she appears to have taken on more responsibility. I don't think she's officially been announced as the new head of marketing, but with Alessandro Formizano resigning, she certainly seems to be heading in that direction. Last week, she introduced the new home and away kits at the presentation, on the MSC cruise ship, 
And though she did not speak for long, and she comes off as very stern when she does speak, I thought she was very well spoken. There were a couple of things she said that I think have really endeared her amongst Napoli fans. The first was just one word, but when she was describing the home kit and pointed out that it has the Scudetto, she added with a smile, finalmente. And for me, simple as that one word might have been, it gave the impression that the De Laurentiis family, like all of us, has indeed waited a long time for that Scudetto. There was a time where many Napoli fans were justified in thinking that ADL didn't actually want to win, he just wanted to finish top 4, because that would ensure that his pockets were filled. It just felt very genuine when Valentina said that the shirt finally has the Scudetto on it. The first thing I thought was, hmm, she might actually be one of us. The kit itself is absolutely gorgeous, and Valentina is mostly credited with the design working alongside Gianni Bonacorsi of Armani, who she made sure to mention right off the bat. I know some people don't like the white shoulder lines, maybe I'm just old, but they don't bother me at all. I'm certainly no fashion expert, but typically you want something that separates the shoulders from the chest. Last season's shirt had the arrows on the shoulder in a gradient that got lighter and lighter away from the collar. However, I hesitate to say that because probably the greatest Napoli kit of all time, which is the 87-88 home kit by Ennere, with Buitoni as the sponsor and featuring both the Coppa Italia and the Scudetto patches, did not have anything separating the shoulders from the chest. Some people also felt like it was a little bit of overkill to have the Italian flag on the collar and on the shirt sleeves as well. Personally, I don't mind that. It actually reminds me of the Italian national team shirt from 1982, which was also stunning. In fact, that shirt is very similar to that Buitoni shirt in its simplicity and in terms of the structure of the collar. But what Napoli fans really appreciated was Valentina's description of the white away kit, which of course features an homage to the city of Napoli. As Valentina put it, the design was done in such a way that the Scudetto appears to be rising out of Vesuvio, and this is a symbol of a new era, which is the slogan that the club used in the build-up to the event, a new era from Napoli to the world. In the short exchange between Valentina, Aurelio, and Nicola Lombardo, it was quite evident that it was no coincidence that Vesuvio was placed on the away kit. If you follow the posts on Forza Napoli Press, you will know that pretty much every club that hosts us is fined for insulting chants of a discriminatory nature. They all sing the Vesuvio Eruta chant, which in typical Napolitano fashion, our fans adopted and twisted the meaning, so this shirt is a continuation of that sentiment. Lombardo said, e noi non abbiamo paura del Vesuvio, naturalmente, and we are not afraid of Vesuvio, naturally, to which Valentina replied, assolutamente no, absolutely not. Now, when opposing fans do these chants, we can show them that we proudly wear Vesuvio on our chests, and their chants are nothing to us. Regarding the sponsors, I think both kits look way better with MSC as the main sponsor in white on the home shirt and in navy on the away shirt rather than Lette in red. 
the fact that we have only one sponsor on the front of the shirt makes it look nicer to me as well. That's another reason I want to get my hands on this kit as soon as possible because unless there was a rule change that I don't know about, we could still sell that spot on the shirt at any point during the season. Aesthetically, I'm indifferent between having eBay and Amazon on the shirt sleeve, though functionally I prefer Amazon. I find eBay far less user-friendly than Amazon. I tried to find the Napoli store on eBay, and as far as I could tell, it's only on the Italian version of eBay, which does not ship to North America. That means the only option I have is the club's web store, and I'll have to wait potentially four months for the shirt to arrive. Anyhow, back to Valentina... I'm not sure if it was her idea to open an official club store in Napoli for the first time for those who might not be aware, but she's certainly been credited with the decision. The store is located at Via Calabrito di Ciotto, which is about a 10 minute walk from the Piazza del Plebiscito towards the west. It's very close to the Galleria Borbonica and the far east side of the Villa Comunale di Napoli. Valentina was at the ribbon cutting with her partner Antonio Sinicropi, the store opened at 1926 on Wednesday. Of course, 1926 is the year the club was founded. Again, I don't know whose decision it was to open at 1926, but it does suggest an attention to detail, just like having the Napoli logo embossed on the Scudetto patch. But what I liked about the store opening was that Valentina didn't just cut the ribbon and disappear. She stuck around and worked in the store. She was talking to customers, helping them find their sizes, giving them feedback on the look and fit of the shirts and so on. And then again at the Maro, she was not only present at the shop, but she was interacting with people and helping them with their purchases. She sounds stern when she speaks, as I said, but from the videos I saw at the Maro, she seemed very approachable and humble, which is quite refreshing given the personality of her father. So I definitely think Valentina's role at the club will become increasingly more important. We even saw that she was part of the manager's meeting that happened after the presentation. If she hasn't already, I do think she will assume the role that Formizano vacated, which was head of operations, sales, and marketing. She seems to be the right person to deliver on this new era from Napoli to the world, which is indicative of expanding the global brand. At the presentation, De Laurenti suggested that Mexico has the capacity for a distribution center to better serve people in America, both in terms of taxes and shipping. I don't think they said it explicitly, but I think they also hinted at the possibility of opening more Napoli stores, which would be huge. I think stores in just about any major city, London, New York, Toronto, etc., would do really well, and as I said, I think Valentina could be the right person to deliver on that. Okay, that is where I will leave it. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please share it with a friend and leave us a rating and or a review on your favorite podcast platform. That always helps us to grow the pod. As always, if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can find me mostly on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, but you can also find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod. If you're looking for written content, head on over to ForzaNapoliPress.com. Also, if anyone wants to take a stab at writing, shoot me a DM and I will get you set up. I will be back next week to provide some updates on the retreat at Di Maro, which officially started on Friday. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre!
Podcast Network.